0: everyone. Welcome to the Inside the Movement podcast. I'm your host, Maddie. And today I'm here with Ben Reed, who is our new Mount Juliet campus pastor. Um, We are so excited for him to be with us today. And this is kind of our attempt at having a cup of coffee with Ben over a podcast and just getting to know him a little bit for all of you who haven't had a chance to sit down with him quite yet. Um, I'm super excited to have him sitting with me today and ready to dive into These questions about his life and who he is and um, who Jesus has created him to be. So Ben.
1: Before we get to that more (laughs) important, maybe less important stuff about Jesus. (laughs) That's a joke. Uh, (laughs) I'm super passionate about coffee and I wish I was drinking a cup of coffee right now. I'm drinking water right now because I've had so much coffee. Um, (laughs) I told uh, our team at MJ that Look, I love Kyle, but we are up in our coffee game. All they had was Keurigs at our campus. And uh, we brought the espresso machine in. And uh, (laughs) if you ever stop in at MJ, stop in the offices because you're going to enjoy some really good coffee back there.
0: Well, I can't tell the difference between Folgers and a nice cup of coffee. Oh, then we have so much to teach you, Maddie. Okay. Yeah, I guess I'm just going to have to come hang out with you guys for a little bit. I think you should. (laughs) Um, So... Ben is from Arizona and just recently relocated here to Nashville, which he's been before. So I'm going to let him kind of tell you about that transition.
1: Yeah, I'm actually not from Arizona. Uh, we're my wife and I are both from Middle Tennessee. I grew up in Clarksville, and um, yeah, spent my whole life there. Went to seminary in Kentucky, and then we moved back after we were married. And on staff at a couple different churches here in Tennessee, and uh, so Tennessee was always home for us. But then we moved out west. And we spent a few years in California and a few years in Arizona. So we spent four years in Arizona and absolutely loved our time uh, out west, specifically in Arizona. Uh, I (laughs) grew up in Tennessee. I never thought I would be a kid that loved the desert. Uh, And to me, like when I think about Arizona, it's this vast wasteland of like flat Saharan desert. Uh, But if you've ever been to Arizona, you know that it is not like that. It's not the Saharan desert at all. Um, So I mean, I saw mountains from my front porch. And, you know, within two hours, we could go from 115 degrees in the valley, like driving up to Flagstaff, and it was in the 50s during the day. So we loved that. Uh, But there was always something in us that was pulling us back to Tennessee. Tennessee was our roots. Our family lives here. (laughs) And there was just something, as much as we loved life out West, that Tennessee always felt like it was home to us. So uh, we're really glad to be back home. MJ is a new city for us, for both me and my wife. My wife grew up in Gallatin uh, and uh, south of here too. But um, MJ is new, but middle Tennessee is not. We love being back home.
0: Yeah. Arizona is beautiful. Tennessee is also really beautiful.
1: Tennessee is also beautiful, <laughs> too. And, and the thing that, look, if you've spent, you know, multiple seasons here, it, it it's almost like you, you don't even realize it anymore. But Tennessee is so green. That's the thing yes. that keeps striking us. Yes. Uh, because we're used to seeing shades of brown and mm-hmm. uh, everywhere we turn, But now to see green everywhere, it's gorgeous. It's so beautiful. And we're loving uh, being back here. Yes. It's It's hot uh, because this, you know, we're recording this episode in the summer (laughs) and it is hot, but it's not 117 degrees hot, so I'll take it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's uh, definitely humid, but we're surviving. We we are. Um, are. Tell me about your wife and kids.
1: Yeah, so my wife and I, uh, we've been married for just a little over 17 years, which is hard to even it doesn't feel like uh, we've been married that long until I think back through all of the life that <laughs> that we've lived and the moves that we've made. Uh, so we've been married 17 years. We have three kids, um, a 12-year-old son named Rex, a 7-year-old girl named Gracie Kate, and a 2-year-old boy named Nash. Uh, we named him Nash because he was the only one of our kids that was born outside of Tennessee. Okay. So we were like, all right, got to hold on to some of our yeah. heritage. Naturally. And now we move back. Um, So he's he's named after the city now that he lives in, I guess. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, Yeah. So, you know, our our kids were in school in Arizona and now they're transitioning to school here and (gasps) uh, are really excited to kind of dig their heels in.
0: Yeah. Do they feel like they've. They've made some friends so far. Are they, like, really looking forward to the school year to do that?
1: Yeah, not yet. The The move has gone a little differently than we had kind of anticipated. It's taken us a little bit longer to actually get into our house okay. and living in Mount Juliet. We lived in um, Clarksville for the first couple months we were here. Gotcha. Uh, there's nothing quite as joyful and uh, humbling as— a late thirty-year-old guy and wife and three kids moving back in with his parents, but we're grateful that my parents opened yeah. the doors to us as we were trying to close on our house and get moved in. So we're in now, Yay. and I, my kids are just these—they're these social butterflies. <laughs> so they're out in the neighborhood, just trying to get a party going everywhere they, they're at. So they're—they're uh, they're ready to. Um, start building some deep relationships here. Sure.
0: Yeah, it's not easy to pick up and move your family.
1: No. Um, One of my my that. son's favorite things. Is, so it's that's Rex and he's twelve. He comes with me on Sunday mornings and helps out and has Listen. done that like his whole life. Yeah. And so I thought that that would change when we moved here because living in Clarksville, community, Mount Juliet. It's- Almost an hour and a half, so I have to open the doors at 6 a.m. in Mount Juliet. So that's an, that's an early call that's time. A very early. And morning. he's come with me every single week. Yeah. He loves it. So that's helped him feel a little bit more relationally connected, and not just relationally connected, but even spiritually connected uh, to what's going on at MJ. To feel like he's a small part of what's going on. Oh, he can yeah. contribute uh, even as a as a 12 year old. it's yeah. pretty cool. That's
0: awesome. I love that you model that. Like. For him and the rest of your family, that's such a cool thing to get to live in.
1: Well, and I've said for a while, I, I can't make my kids fall in love with Jesus. I wish I could, uh, because I think it's the most important decision they will ever make. But I can help keep them from growing up despising the church because i've just seen that in a lot of pastor's kids where you know their parents were pastors and devoted the best of all they were to the church and they had very Nothing little was. left over for their family yeah. so i would not like for my kids to grow up and hate the church i can't help it if they hate jesus um, i can pray for them right. and i can model for them i can't i can't affect that but what i can affect is their love or hatred of the church and so um allowing him to come with me on sunday mornings and if i'm being honest with you sometimes it's a lot of work to have a a kiddo with you but um my hope my prayer is that as he grows up he has a deep love for the local church and wants to invest uh his time and talent and treasures there
0: yeah yeah so the church you were at prior to Cross Point, you were the adult ministries pastor. Is that correct?
1: That's right. Yeah, I was a okay. North Point partner church, okay. um, and it was just outside of Phoenix in the East Valley. It's called Mission Community Church. And so I oversaw everything adult ministries. Uh, so groups and care and um, recovery and local missions and global missions yeah. and loved what I got to do there and, and feel like it really... Prepared us, that season prepared us for what God was going to call us to here, um, and it's been a fun transition coming in here and yeah. being able to be a part of a, an amazing team at the MJ campus, um, and and you know to find a team that's that's hungry and, yeah. and ready to go. So I, th- I feel like my role at Mission really prepped me for what God was going to do here at yeah. uh, CrossPoint.
0: And you um, you had a hand in small groups at, at Mission. And so I know that your heart, like, you have a big heart for small groups. Um, what is it about small groups that really fires you up?
1: Yeah, I've, I've been a groups pastor the majority of my time in vocational ministry. And I think for me, that all goes back to, like, my own, um, my own calling into ministry. So um, I grew up in church, and, I mean, from the time that I was— born, um, my parents had me in church. And I'm, I'm so grateful for that. Yeah. And when I look back on my spiritual, sorry, I, I began trusting Jesus when I was six. Um, I mean, I think it'd be easy to look at that and go, well, as a six year old, do you understand all the ins and outs of faith? And the answer is no. Yeah. But I understood I believe enough right. to begin following Jesus. Um, and. You know, I went to the camps and I sang the song. We were at church every <laughs> single weekend and we were at a traditional Southern Baptist church. So it wasn't just Sunday morning. It was Sunday night discipleship yeah. and it was Tuesday night visitation. and It was Wednesday, Wednesday. night youth group and yeah. it was everything. <laughs> we were there all the time. Um, so I knew all the songs. I I did Bible Drill. I don't know if oh, you ever amazing, did that. amazing. Right? I remember
0: Bible Drill. Um,
1: and sure. I think, I don't know if it's. Maybe it's PTSD. I think I might have said from (laughs) some of my Bible drill, like those teachers that were calling and I didn't know the answer and I'm (sighs) stressing out. Uh, So, you know, I grew up and I I, I knew all the songs. I'd been out of the camps. I'd heard thousands of sermons. Um, But the thing that I feel like God used to form me the most in my own spiritual growth was a small group that I was a part of. I mean, so we were at a Southern Baptist church and I mean, this was, you know, Southern Baptist Church in the 90s. They didn't know what small groups were. They knew Sunday school, but they didn't know this relational form of discipleship. So this wasn't an officially commissioned small group from the church. It was just a group of guys that we went to camp. We came off that camp high, loved where God had us and just said, why does this have to go away? Can we just meet? and talk about the Bible and talk about life, which was the beginnings of a small group. So every Friday night, my junior year of high school and my senior year of high school, every Friday night we would get together at this leader's house. He was an older guy, um, a few stages beyond us in life. And he would, he was just kind of moderating and he would give us Cokes and (laughs) waters and we'd sit around in his basement. And um, sometimes cry and sometimes yell and dig into the depths of who we were as juniors and seniors in high school, and then what God might have for us. And so as I look back on my time, look, I love the weekend experience. I do. I absolutely love it. And I think it's vital in our walk with Jesus. I love um, singing together. I love scripture reading. I love prayer. But I think that as I look back on my journey, what God used to form me the most was other people. That's what he used to shape me. Um, and that's what he used to even like refine my calling into ministry. So I'm super passionate about helping people step into community and, um, I love the traditional small group, but I have a a wide view of what that that looks like to step into healthy community. So I just find myself over and over again. The questions that I ask people revolve around who you connected with, um, who knows this about you. You know, people come to me and share something that's painful that they're walking through. I just want to know that I'm not the only person that knows because I can't walk beside everybody and I want to make sure that they have community around them. So the questions I ask people are often um, driving towards who's in your life that can help walk with you. And so I'm really passionate about that. And that's just led me to different small group roles at different churches around the country, Mm -hmm. um, where it went from I'm leading small groups to I'm helping equip small group leaders to do the thing that I'm passionate about. Um, So I've found myself in a lot of different scenarios where I I get to use this passion side of me to drive people to the thing that I know changed me. And I, I'm I'm fully convinced that with a healthy small group, it solves about ninety-five percent mm-hmm. of life's problems. Uh, it doesn't make the problems go away, right. but it means you have somebody that can walk with you through yeah. it. Um, so uh that's one of my one of my big passions in ministry is helping get people connected.
0: Yeah. I believe that. I love my small group. Shout out to groups team. Thank you for all you do. Yes. Um, yeah, I think that it is. Jesus made us to be in community, and I think it's so important. Um, so I love your heart. I love your heart for groups.
1: I've connected with a lot of the, a lot of our central ministries teams um, since I've, uh, I'm still new around here. Just trying to get a, you know, a, a picture of the landscape of who we are as a church and what our central ministries look like. And I could not wait to meet with Steph because uh, <laughs> I just. I, great. I I saw that meeting on my calendar and couldn't wait to dig into how we help not just people get Mm. into community, but how we form people through community as well. So um, Steph, love what you do. Uh, Keep doing more of it. I'm your biggest fan.
0: (laughs) I love it. Um, So you did talk a little bit about this, but I would love for you to go into a bit more detail just about how you came to know Jesus um, and just kind of really just your salvation story, what that looked like for you.
1: Yeah, so grew up in in I mentioned this, but grew up in a traditional Southern Baptist church, and so um, I I'm so grateful for that, and I I think God used that to keep me from a lot of things that um, it would have been easy for me to fall into. But uh, had some incredible preachers growing up, and so when I was six, I I'm convinced that I knew enough of who Jesus was and of my own brokenness, um, to step into my relationship with him. And so at six, I surrendered. And at seven, I was baptized. And I think what that's given me too is a perspective to go, um, I'm still hesitant when six-year-olds and seven-year-olds come to me and, or their parents do, because that's how it usually is, is their parents come in and saying, um, my kid's ready to be saved. Um, I know that it's possible, though. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's given me a level of empathy yeah. for kids that um, God's already working in their life. Yeah. Um, so I began my relationship with Jesus then, but um, as with many of mm-hmm. us, you know, you you go through seasons of uh, rapid growth and yep. seasons of maybe not so rapid growth, and so. Um, I mentioned the the formative group that helped shape me but if i'm being really honest um, i didn't really begin to own my faith until college um and and i think for people who grew up in church that that might be a similar um train that they were on to where it was i'm thankful for my parents faith and they gave that to me but i feel like i was borrowing their faith Mm -hmm. um, until i got on my own and then it was my choice. Yeah. Am I going to go to church? Am I going to um, engage in groups there? Am I going to read my Bible? Because I suddenly didn't have anybody that was, you know, formally checking on me unless right. I invited that in. I didn't invite my parents to check on me; they just did um, when I was, you know, in school. But I had to ask people um, to be intentional with me. So that's where I feel like I began to own my faith, and it wasn't just my parents' faith or my pastor's faith. It was, I needed to know what I believed, and not just what I believed, but why I believed it. Um, And not just why I believed it, but what was I going to do about it, right? So it it shifted from, okay, my faith means, you know, in middle school, high school, it means I'm going to go to church on Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings and I'm gonna read my Bible some and I'm not gonna cuss, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> that yeah, these, was the these, like this for, list
0: of things that were like, these are the things, these it's, are check marks.
1: That's exactly yeah. right. It's a list of check marks. And then it transitioned into, oh wait, what am I gonna do with my life? Mm-hmm. How am I gonna spend uh, my years in college and then what do I wanna do for a job? And allowing God to speak into that rather than pushing my faith to the side, beginning to embrace my faith. So um, accepted Jesus when I was young, but I feel like I didn't really step in and begin owning my faith until college. And um, that was for me when I really wrestled with God um, through my own vocational calling. I was going to be a, a veterinarian um, and chose to go to UT Martin because they had the highest acceptance rate of pre-vet students into vet school. And so <laughs> I went to UT Martin and finished my first 3 years and got accepted to vet school and the summer before I was going to go to vet school like typically what a pre vet student would do is they would work at a vet clinic right. but my youth pastor had moved on from Clarksville to uh, Virginia Beach Virginia so as a 21 year old my former youth pastor invited me to come out to help launch a college ministry in Virginia Beach and I'm going yeah that sounds better than working in a vet clinic for the summer <laughs> so I went and did that and having no intention of stepping into ministry at all. But being there that summer, I'll never forget, this was about halfway through the summer, and I had gotten my packet from UT Knoxville, with like my classmates info and the books that I had to order. And I had that on my desk, and it was sitting on my desk open. And that was also VBS week. And so I was I had a, a you know a role there with VBS and so I was opening that up and I was reading over the lesson that I was gonna have to teach later that day and it felt like God parted the clouds for a moment and I could catch a glimpse and and it it was it was a moment of clarity where I looked at those two notebooks in front of me and went gosh God's giving me a choice. And this thing that I thought I wanted to do, veterinary medicine, that I've spent my, you know, from middle school on, I, quote unquote, knew what I was going to do with my life. And I was driven towards that. And I chose my college based on that. And I got (laughs) accepted. You know, if if you you look at it, it's almost like going, well, God's opened these doors. You should continue to step through them. And I looked at the VBS material and I looked at um, the... UT Knoxville application stuff, and just went, maybe this thing that I felt like I wanted to do my entire life is not the thing that God wants me to do. And so I turned around and told the other intern this, and she said, <laughs> why don't you cool it for a second? You've <laughs> wanted your whole life to be a veterinarian. Um, <laughs> can we just take a deep breath? Um And we'll just pray about this." Mm. So I began taking the rest of the summer to pray about that, ended up going to vet school for a year. And for me, that year was, I mean, I mentioned wrestling with God earlier. That was my wrestling with God. Um, The illustration I come back to in in scripture is when Jacob wrestled with God and he said, I'm going to wrestle with you through the night and I'm not going to let you go until you mark my hip. And for me, that's what that entire first year of vet school was. It, It wasn't, okay, God, I'm either going to follow you or I'm going to walk away from my faith. That wasn't where I was at. It was, God, do you want me to, to continue to pursue this veterinary medicine or do you want me to go into vocational ministry? And so through prayer, through community, um, through beginning to to process this with Who was then my girlfriend, who became my fiance, who then we got married. We were able to process it through. Laura and I were together and really determined God was calling us into vocational ministry. Um, So we stepped from. I finished my first year of vet school. We get married the next month, and then uh, I was working at a vet clinic and came home one day and I said, Babe, I. Think we're done in vet school, and we packed our bags and moved to Louisville, Kentucky, wow. and started our uh, ministry career there. So
0: hmm.
1: um, it was it was quite the journey to go from, you know, I know what I want to do with my life, right? To and all
0: that preparation that goes into vet school. It's not it's not just like oh, I'm gonna be in college and go to vet school. It's like hey, I have to take all these prerequisites. I have to do all these things to get into vet school. All these interviews. Hmm. That's not. For those of you listening, if you didn't know, I'm sure you already did, but like, it's not an easy thing to get into vet school. No,
1: biochem's no joke, (laughs) all right? It was much easier than New Testament 101, all right? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it was, you know, and I think part of the wrestling was, okay, I went through all this hard work, and on the surface, God kept these doors open. Mm -hmm. Um, Why would I not continue to walk through them. And where I landed was, just because the door's open doesn't mean you have to walk through it. God gave us a mind that we can actually close the door. Yeah. And just because the door is closed doesn't mean that we can't use our hands. Look, we have a. open it. I'm looking at a door right now. There's a yeah. knob on this door. <laughs> I'm not going to walk to the door and just shrug my shoulders and go, well, I guess I'm stuck here in this room for the rest of my life. Right. I can use my hands and open the door. Right. Um, I just needed clarity from God to know what I was supposed to do. And he mm-hmm. offered that clarity. And that was the beginning of our ministry journey um a long time ago.
0: Yeah. But like what a gift too from God. Like we do have choices. You know, it's a choice and God can steer us in the right direction, but in his graciousness, he still allows us a choice. Yes, he does. And I don't know, that's I know that he gave you clarity, but that's what I'm just hearing. Like, gosh, our God is so good that he could literally make us do (laughs) he can make us do whatever he wanted to. He's Mm -hmm. king and king of the world, king of the universe, king of the stars and the earth and all the things. So like he still chose to give us choices.
1: He did. And I, I'm i pretty astounded that he uses us. He could cause the rocks to cry out. Yeah. He doesn't need us, <laughs> but he's chosen Thanks, to call sorry. us into ministry yeah. um, and use us despite our flaws and despite our past and despite even our own weaknesses, current weaknesses. Uh, he uses us. and It's pretty phenomenal that He's he does. He's
0: good. He's good. Um, I'm going to take a left turn here. Uh-oh. Let's talk about Enneagram.
1: <laughs> wow.
0: Yeah, I Hard know. Hard left. Hard turn, left. Buddy. I know. Um, uh, you mentioned to me that you are passionate about the Enneagram. Love it. And so I wanted to ask you about just how you think your Enneagram plays into your ministry.
1: Well, I, I love the Enneagram because I love understanding more about myself, how I'm wired how God has, has you know, uniquely formed me. And I think if if I know myself as a person, as a husband, as a dad, as a leader, um, I think I've become a better leader because um, I know how I'm, you know, in my strengths, able to walk in an environment. And I know when I see my weaknesses cropping up, um, where that's coming from. So I'm a nine with an eight wing, which Do you know the other person in history that was a nine with an eight wing? Who? Jesus. Oh,
0: are you? Uh, Okay, you're
1: pulling the Jesus card. Well, um, it's the truth. I'm just kidding. Um, I don't know if he was or not. Uh, (laughs) I'm a nine with an eight wing, which means, you know, my core value is peace and harmony. I want that above anything else. Um, And I will do, you know— both good things and bad things to try to, to try to get that in my strength, I do good things. And in my weaknesses, I do bad things. Um, but I'm, I'm a nine with an eight wing. And I, I think that that's probably because I've been put into a number of environments where I need to be decisive and I need to be the truth teller and I need to, um, be able to lead with, with that kind of clarity. But I also think it might have to do something with the fact that my wife is an eight and I've, I've often joked that she's an eight with an eight wing. Uh, <laughs> and I love that about her. And I think that's probably drawn out some of the strengths of eight that I see in her. I've begun to even model myself. Um, and I i mean, look, let me brag on nines. Uh, we've got some nines here at Crosspoint. And I, I love nines because... Um, we tend to bring a steady, calm water to mm. to leadership that um, we're not volatile, and we're able to be this bridge, you know, between people and bring unity and harmony to yeah. what we do. and i don't I don't try to bring unity and harmony because I feel like, well, that's what my job is. I do it because it's my core value And, you are. and I do it. At Starbucks, if I'm good in the drink, and I do it at church, if I'm there, and I do it in leadership team meetings, uh, because that's that's how God's formed me. Um, So I think it it has, I think it uh, understanding yourself absolutely shapes your ministry because I know that that's the strength that I bring. But you know, I know that I'm not a six, I'm not a five, and. I love when I'm interacting with, let's say, a five, because I know that that's not my strength. But doing throwing a research project at a five, they're going to get so (laughs) fired up about that. And I'm almost falling asleep just saying the (laughs) words research project. Um, I love when we have sevens on the team because I can go, could you just help us have fun? Yeah. Um, Help us laugh. Help us get outside of our box that Mm -hmm. way. So understanding that I have my strengths, but that I don't have all of the strengths um, means – I get to lean on our team to do the things that yeah. it's not that I don't want to do what a seven could do. It's not that I don't want to do what a two could do. I just realized that they're innately better at right. it than I would be even if I tried to work on it. Yeah.
0: That's good stuff. What are you, Maddie? I'm a two. You're I'm a, a two. two wing one.
1: Two wing one. Yeah,
0: my husband's a nine, nine wing one. Oh, so you I love, love him. nine. He's so great. Mm-hmm. Nines, mm-hmm.
1: Are the, nines are the best.
0: He's pretty great. You
1: should know that.
0: <laughs> I can't. I mean, I can't argue because I mean, I really like him. <laughs> um, so, also, fun thing about Ben is that he has his own podcast. Or you host a podcast,
1: right? Yeah, I do. Um, I don't. I don't talk about it a lot. I I got connected with. A guy when I was on staff at Saddleback, he was just an attender, and he was 26 years old, and he was the CEO of this um, fitness supplement company. And he's a he's either a three or an eight. I think he's like a three of threes <laughs> of threes. Though he is the most driven person I've ever met. And then <laughs> God grabbed a hold of his heart, <laughs> and it's it changed from. I have to grow this business and make it the the biggest in the world to how we're going to use this platform to lead people to Jesus. Mm -hmm. So he just came to me one day and said, hey, you're a pastor, right? And (laughs) I said, "Uh, yes, I am. He said, you like to work out? I said, yeah, yeah, I, I guess. And he said, would you be like our company's pastor? Like, would you just Would you want to use our platform to help people understand what fitness looks like through the lens of the Bible and to see what health looks like? Because he said, we're in this industry that is dominated by, I want you to see how great I look. And if you see how great I look, then I feel validated. He said, I want to be a light in the darkness, but I have no idea how to do this. I just know I love Jesus. And that was the whole pitch to me. And I said, yes, (laughs) I don't know what you want me to say, but yes, I will. And so um, that was years ago. And with every season, he's like, okay, I I think we're getting a better picture of who we are as a company. Could you write some on this? Could you shoot some videos on that? And so then we ended up landing on a podcast. And so we've gone back and forth between sometimes it's interviews with people who are in the fitness industry. Sometimes it's like a series leading through truths related to um, health and how physical health and spiritual health and mental health Mm. um, all kind of form who we are as a person. So it's trying to speak light into a really dark industry. Mm -hmm. And I love the the conversations that it's open with people who just think that they're buying a pre-workout, yeah, and then get hit with, "Hey, this the gospel, it <laughs> really is." <laughs> it's okay. I, I just bought something online, and now I'm getting invited to, you know, listen into a podcast and read a blog, and to see the work that God's doing there in an industry that's really not marked by a lot of hope yeah. outside of, "Hey, the hope is you can look really, really good if you take our stuff." Yeah. And we're offering a different level of, of hope than they get anywhere else.
0: Yeah, different lens on that completely. Mm-hmm. That's super cool. It's called uh Fit for More.
1: Yeah, it's called Fit for More. Check it out. Yeah, it's uh Flight Sport is the is the name of the company that does that. And cool. it's a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, that sounds fun. Yeah. I'm gonna go I wanna go listen to it. I'm excited to Learn from you. Listen,
1: you're the podcast extraordinaire here. You need False. to be giving me tips False. on False. how I can improve. Okay, stop,
0: stop. <laughs> okay, uh, more about Ben. Um, he also really loves to play golf, and he played golf at UT Martin. Um, did. Tell us about those days. So. Well, that was
1: a long time ago. I, I say often uh, golf is like riding a unicycle. You can be good at it for a season and then you take a little time (laughs) off and you're terrible at it. Um, So yeah, I played golf uh, all growing up. I played a a lot of different sports, but then decided to land on one and ended up playing through college. And that's the best way to go through college too, because I stacked my mornings. (laughs) I went to class in the morning and then I just got to play golf all afternoon. honestly sounds like
0: a dream.
1: Um, I I got to live the retired life uh, when I was like 18, 19, 20 years old. That's, it was incredible. You really had it figured out. Uh, yeah, and then I forgot. Uh, I didn't have it figured out for the next, like, decade <laughs> of my life because we went from, you know, playing golf six, seven days a week to got married, moved to Louisville, started seminary, okay. then we had kids. And now I'm looking at golf going, oh, that'd be great, but how can I justify, <laughs> like, I five hours away from my family? Um, so if anybody that's listening to this there wants to have a, lot of a golfies long on staff. Meeting, Just let me know <laughs> um, because I can put it on my calendar as a, a meeting. Um, mm-hmm. It's just uh, I love golf yeah. and I was super competitive for a long time. And now I just just thoroughly enjoy getting out there and, and hacking it around. It. So yeah. um, if you want, I'd be happy to go hack it around anytime with you.
0: There are so many people who play golf on staff. I'm sure you already know them.
1: I've started to find my golfing okay, friends I mean,
0: here. You got Lad. You got Mason. You got Tanner.
1: That's a foursome right there. Let's go,
0: guys. You, I, I, mean, heard, it, I heard it. It is endless. Uh-huh. There's so many. I'm gonna call them golfies, and they're gonna hate it. Matt Warren loves golf. Golfies? Yeah. That's not a. It's baddie. just. It's just what. It's just um, what came out. That. <laughs> I can't. It's no, fine. No, I reject that. No. I don't
1: like the term.
0: Unrejectable. It's it's what it is now. <laughs> Golfies. <laughs> but yeah, I hope you guys get to connect and truly hope that you all get to go play golf together soon. Um, thank you for being here with us today. Thanks so much. Um, it's been great getting to chat with you. And I hope um, you all get a chance to, to get to know Ben and ask him about, you know, the things that bring him joy in life, which are Jesus and his story and golf and enneagram <laughs> and then his also his podcast check it out get wait fit for more there it is yeah fit for more yeah um uh i hope you all have a great day today thank you again ben for being with us
1: thanks maddie you're the best host
0: and we will talk later Bye bye